Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. What's happening? Hey, good morning. Good morning. My name is Neil and single-handedly have helped get Bronson into full-time ministry. That is not true. That is not true. That is not true. Uh, it's a privilege to be here. My wife, Gina, and the kids, are, uh, uh, they're headed here as well. I, uh, I'm not going to do that cliche thing where, where we put a picture of our family up there and we're like, oh, check out my smoking hot wife. Well, I don't know why pastors do that, but they do it, so I'm not going to do it. I am going to start, next time I get up on the stage, a running joke where I put a stock photo up there of a different family every single time that I'm up here. So just get ready for it. It's going to happen. Um, so here's what we're going to do. I'm gonna, I, this is actually not going to be that long. Our, our goal is that we want you to open house. And we want you to be able to walk around this place and kick the tires and pull some cables out and just check this place out. There is no room in this place except for the kids' areas. So help me, God, we will hurt you if you go in those areas. But everywhere else is wide open for you. Um, You could do everything. You could flip the breakers. Whatever you want to do, we want this to be your house. We want you to feel at home here, meet some people. Yes, this is the Lord's house. We want it to be yours as well. We want you to feel like this is home. When you come here, you're like, ah. I can relax. I feel like I feel like this is a good place. So uh, we're going to get to that in a little bit. This is maybe I don't know. We'll see if I get this in eighteen, maybe twenty minutes. We'll see. Forty-five minutes later, he's not even slowing down. Um, so I'm going to start this off. Uh, th- there's a question that, as as a pastor, um, as a, as a leader in a church, I get asked this a lot. I don't know. I, we haven't even talked about this. Somebody's at the door. We get asked this a lot. And it's, it's the number one question. They don't always ask it like this, but they always ask this question. Christians in church tend to ask this question. They say, hey, um, listen, uh, how, do you, how does your church do discipleship? Now, that's not necessarily how they ask it. Or like, hey, what is the process of discipleship? What does it look like? The way that question usually comes across is a little bit different. They're like, hey, pastor, when are we going to go deeper? What are we gonna, why do we go deeper in the word? What do you got me? The weekend's great, but we, we need goods. Well, I want to get into some meaty word. They say things like that. What they're really asking about is discipleship. A lot of people want to know, like, what, is, what do you believe is a church? What is the process? What does that look like for me? Do you know that the word discipleship is not in the Bible? See ya. It's not in the Bible. That's an English word that we made up. Now, the word disciple is all over the place. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus talks about it. Throughout the book of Acts, it is everywhere. We have done this thing where we've put this thing together, and, and discipleship is something that we talk about all the time, but what does it actually mean to be a disciple? That's what we're actually going to talk about. So there's a section of Scripture. We're going to put it up here on the screen. Uh, I'm going to read it. It's in Acts chapter 11, uh, verse 25 through 26. There's only two verses that we're going to do. We're going to do a deep dive. You want to go deeper, Jacques Cousteau, get ready. We're going to go deep on this one, okay? We're going to look at this thing. We're going to break it apart, and we're going to, two of you got that. I get it. We're going to break this down because I want you to understand the context of it, and you're going to see something that maybe you have never seen before in Scripture. And I'll be honest with you, it's it's a little bit, you're like, whoa, I don't know that I saw that. So we're going to read this, and I'll let you know what is going on historically at the time, where this is happening, and why this is important to us today so we can learn something from it. You ready? All right, Acts 11, 25 through 26. It says, then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. Hang on one second. There are a lot of names and things in there that you may not know. Barnabas is a guy. That's a name. Went to Tarsus. That's a city. It's, it's in uh, modern-day Turkey. And he was looking for Saul. That's a dude. So there's a guy. 
looking for a, 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 another guy in a city. You got that? So he found him and brought him back to Antioch. That's a place, it's a city. They were there a whole year, meeting with the church and teaching a lot of people. It was in Antioch that the disciples were, for the first time, called Christians. That's it. That's the scripture we're going to talk about. You ready? Deep dive. So Barnabas is, he's tired. He's working in the church, incredible leader, man of God, doing a lot of work, but he's tired. He feels like he's a little bit overworked. He has a massive project ahead of him. Things are going great in Antioch. There's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of opportunities. And he starts to get a little bit worn out, and he goes, I need some help. Like, I got to go find somebody. Where am I going to find some help? And he goes, oh, wait a minute. What about Saul? Like, where's Saul at? Where's his brother at? Saul is Paul, just so you guys know. And it doesn't happen. We don't call him Paul for another two chapters. In 13.9, it's really simple. Saul is called Paul. And it's like some, it's like we kind of almost glaze over it. It's like, how do you change somebody's name that fast? It's just kind of, it's so, it, literally the scripture says that, um, and Saul, who is also called Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, did some incredible things. And like from that point on, he's known as Paul. But where is Saul? Where's he at? So if you read through the book of Acts, there's about 12 years where Saul is studying and prepping and doing quiet ministry for the Lord, but we don't hear his name a lot. But for four years, he's been in Tarsus. It's a city. He's been over there doing ministry. He's been, he's been prepping for this work that the Lord has called him to. And Barnabas goes, all right, wait a minute. I, I need to go get him and bring him here so we can do this thing together. Saul was so valuable to Barnabas that he quit the work that he was doing for the Lord and went to find him to bring him with him. Ask yourself this question. Who is so important to the Lord that you need to stop what you are doing and go get another brother or sister and bring him with you? He was so valuable to the Lord that he literally stopped doing the thing that he was supposed to be doing to go get somebody else. And I would, I would challenge you, that's actually what he really needed to do. How many times do we get busy doing something and we forget about somebody? I'm not going to do it now. There's a huge teaching we could do on, on James chapter 5, but it's one of my favorite scriptures ever. And it literally talks about how we, we need to not give up on people. Go get them. Bring them back. And in doing so, we will have rescued people from an epidemic of wandering away from God. I'm not going to get into that. Bronson, that's another time. Verse 26. You ready? It says, they were there a whole year. This is Paul or Saul. Sorry, not, not Paul yet. It's Barnabas and Saul meeting with the church and teaching a lot of people. For a whole year, they taught a lot of people. They didn't, uh, they didn't do this for a semester. They didn't do this until after uh, small groups were done. They didn't do it when fall travel ball was over. They didn't do it after their, their favorite team was out of the playoffs. This is a full year, okay? You see what I'm saying there? It's a little bit of a zinger, but it's, it's the truth. They were meeting with a lot of people. Now, the way we read that in our Western cultured mindset, we read that and we think, okay, they're teaching a lot of people. The NIV actually says it a little bit differently. It says they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. This is not the weekend service. I mean, this is where you are right now. Let me clarify that. This is, you're here at the weekend service. But this scripture is not the weekend service. This is very different. In the Greek, this actually translated out as a great informal preaching. This is in small groups. 
They're in homes. They're in coffee shops. They're at Nexus. They're at Fidel. They're at Mugs. They're at, uh, you name it, wherever they are. They're at Starbucks, whatever you want to do. They're at the, the Starbucks in Target. They're hanging out anywhere that they could possibly go. But they're gathering together in small groups, and they taught constantly. They worked real jobs, and then they went out and they taught. And they got in groups together. This is what they did. And here is the payoff. In verse 26, it says, It was in Antioch that the disciples were, for the first time, called Christians. That's the result. Do you notice something about this? Just look at that for a second. I want you to think about the order in which this happens. The disciples were first called Christians. What do we do in 2021? We make a decision to be a Christian, and then we think that the second level of the game, or after we beat that big boss and we get to the second level, we're like, okay, now I, gotta, I guess i got to work on discipleship next. That's not how it happened. They were disciples first, and then they were called Christians. Why? Because their lives looked like it. Why were they called Christians? Because they showed it. They didn't just tell it. Their lives looked like Christ. So what does it actually mean? What is it? Why, why are they called Christians? They've been called a lot of things, and at that time, they didn't really even... Being called a Christian uh, was not a great thing. People were mocking them. They're like, you, 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 you know, you're one of those guys. You're one of those people. All throughout Scripture, they've been called different things. Disciple was the main thing. Um, it meant that they were following Jesus, but up until that point, they were called brothers and sisters. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. You hungry? Brothers. Uh, that's an axe. They were called saints. They're called believers. They're called witnesses. They're called followers of the way. But why now? Like, why call them Christians now? Because if you add I-A-N, in the Latin, you add I-A-N to anything else, it basically means that you are in the party of. When's the last time you went to a restaurant? You walk in, they say, hey, what is your name? What is it? It's okay, great house, party of five. You guys can come over here. What does that mean? We are together. So this literally meant that they are Jesus people. They're literally called Jesusites or Christ ones. Why? Not because they said it, but because their lives looked like it. Because they were disciples first, and then they were called Christians. We get that backwards. We think that Christian then eventually means we might as well go ahead and get discipled. We just, we do, we get it a little bit backwards. So soldiers in that time in the Roman army, the way they would identify with each other is they would, they, the, the general that they would serve under, they would take their last name, they would add that I-A-N to it, and that's how you identified. So if you were serving Caesar, you were a Caesarian. Our pastors, Bronson and Callie, what is their last name? Right, so put I-A-N-S after the end of that. Dukians, that's what it is. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say that's what it is. We are all in it. All right, now take your own last name. My last name is Great House. Great Houseians sounds a little bit weird. Great Homesians, that's plural. That seems weirder, but do it with your own last name for a second and see if that actually works. That's how you identify. Dukians is great. I just, I love it. I'm, I'm here for it. I'll, I'll fly that flag. That's okay. Dukians. So here's what happens. We look at discipleship as if it's level two of Christianity and it's not. We raise our hand, we make a decision to follow Christ, and sometimes our lives don't necessarily look like it and people can't tell. We might say that we're a Christian, but do we look like we are actually disciples? Because what we forget is, and I say we, I'm talking about me, discipleship is a process, and it's a lifelong process. It's something that takes a lifetime. It's not something that you arrive at. 
It's not, okay, well, I guess I'm discipled, and that's how I tend to treat it. I want to know the three steps. Pastor, I want four points in your message, and I want them all to start with the letter T so I know exactly what to do. That's what we do. We want it to be simple, and that's not how it works. What does it mean is we are going to live our lives together, and we're going to dig into the Word. And that is one of the reasons why we are doing Open House because I actually don't believe that we should ever really shut discipleship down. Like, hey, we're going to take a break for a semester. We're going to shut that down. Heck no. Like, we need to get in this. This needs to be a lifelong process. I can't do it by myself. If Saul couldn't do it by himself, himself, his self, he's self. If Barnabas couldn't do it by himself, who do we think we are? That we're going to be able to do this by ourselves. I'm going to put this statement up here, and I want you to think about this. I only have one point. This is the main point. When it comes to our faith, our faith doesn't survive or thrive in solitude. Think about that. It doesn't thrive or survive in solitude. Why? Because you weren't made to do this by yourself. If Jesus, The only time that Jesus was truly ever alone was on the cross separated from God. Prior to that, his entire ministry he did with other people. His ministry, his discipleship, he said, come follow me. You don't follow somebody. You don't point over there and say, hey, follow me and go over there and do that. No, you're going together. And that's what it means to be a disciple. So there's a term that came out. Um, I'm just going to get gut level honest with you here for a second. There's, there's a lot of times you've probably heard this. You maybe don't know what it's called, but you've heard this. It's about... I think it's about eight, maybe nine, eight and a half or nine years ago, God bless you, that this term disaffected Christian came out. And it's like we finally put a label on it. You may not know what a disaffected Christian really is, but I guarantee you have heard from a disaffected Christian. And the way that sounds is this. Listen, I love Jesus. I, I, I believe in the scriptures I even will hold to the majority of the tenets of faith. But I just don't know if I have a lot of faith in the local church. You guys are all thinking about somebody right now who has said that. It might even be you. And I want you to know something. I get it. I understand why someone would say that. I understand how you arrive there. The truth is, the church is full of people who aren't perfect. I'm not perfect, I'm a sinner. I'm on, a, I'm on a journey, I'm on a path, I'm trying to get this thing together. But we're, we, we sometimes expect the church to be perfect in all these things, and, and we're not. But we're doing our best. And here's what I want to say to that mentality of, hey, listen, I don't necessarily need that. I just need, I just need, I need to be with Jesus. I don't necessarily need all this other, this, this other stuff. Um... I don't know a lot of people who are making a difference for the kingdom of heaven who are doing it by themselves. I just, I just don't. Um, what do I say about that in the answer to like, well, well, the church is messed up or there's been this abuse or there's spiritual whatever and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just, I'm just saying it. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it out loud. This is the last time you ever see me, you'll know that I wasn't allowed to say it out loud. And that's, that's a, that'll be a bad sign. But the, 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 the truth is this. Jesus, Bronson and I talked about this last week. Jesus walked in and out of churches every single day that frustrated him, and he made the choice to still walk back in. Sometimes he flipped a table over, but guess what? He never did it off by himself. He went back to church time and time and time again because he knew that he couldn't do it by himself. So who do we think we are? Sometimes we think we can go do it by ourselves. Yeah, it's, it's not perfect. 
So discipleship is a, is, is, a, is a process. It's a lifelong process. And I would challenge you, if you have gotten away from things, you've gotten off by yourself, maybe come back around. Jump in with somebody. Go call somebody. You might be the person that somebody needs to call and go check on, and that's okay. But we are not here. The church is not here for us. We're here for you. Like there's, okay, we're, we're, doing, we're, doing, we're doing open house. Um, why do you think we're doing this? Because we love barbecue? No, I do want to go climb into Smokey Joe's barbecue pit. I was almost in there prior to service, like actually climbing. I'm asking him, the rub that you put on these ribs, I want to know what that is. He goes, he was not about to tell me. He goes, that's a secret. I said, give me time. I'll figure it out. We don't do this just because we want to hit a clicker and a counter. We're not doing prayer in a week to pray together so we can hit a clicker and a counter and brag to ourselves. We're doing it because the power of prayer is so much better when you're doing it with somebody else. That's why we exist. A lot of times what you think is, though the church is just doing their own thing and they just want us to come. No, we are doing this because we want to do it together with you. You are... You're not just here so you could be on our journey. We exist here so that we can be there for your journey. And a lot of times we get so busy with it and we get so fast-paced, we get our head down, we just want to check a box, and that's not how it goes. It's a long process. So I used to, um, when, when, we, when we built the GLR building, the Greater Little Rock building, I would, I would drive into, I lived in Conway at the time, I live in Little Rock now, and I would drive in, and three days a week in that process, the construction phase, just to get my head clear, I would go to Pinnacle Mountain. Um, somebody joked with me the other day, they said, you're calling it a mountain? We just call it Pinnacle, like it's a mountain. I'm like, that's the biggest thing we have right now, so we'll call that Pinnacle Mountain. And I would, I would drive up there because it was great exercise. Like, I just love to go run up that thing. And it's gotten to the point over the years where I, just, I stopped doing it, but once we moved back, I've been doing it, trying about two or three days a week. There is an entire culture of people that run up and down that thing. If you were on the trail and you were in their way, they don't like you, uh, apparently. They're, they're way faster than I am. They have, like, bags and belts and satchels and, and like, juices. It's weird. It's crazy. So I, 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 love, I love running up it as fast as I can and coming back down as gingerly as I can. Got to watch out for those knees, you know? So I'm, I'm, uh, this is actually last week. I didn't put AirPods in. I didn't listen to music. I didn't listen to any podcast. That's a mistake because all I could hear was the sound of my breathing, and that is depressing. <laughs> that, is not a good, that is not a good sound. And I'm running up, and you know, if you've ever been up there, you know there's this point where it looks like this is where the avalanche hit. There's all the rocks are there. This is where the rocks hit. And as I get to that spot, there is a man and a woman that, I, like, if your head is down, you kind of almost run into somebody. And they were right above me, and I went, oh, hey, I'm so sorry. Excuse me, guys. And I start to go around the other side of them. And when I looked up, I realized that this woman is blind. Not a little blind, not partially blind. She cannot see anything. And she's at least halfway up this thing. And I sat, I was like, I was kind of like shocked. I'm like, what? And you look around, I don't know what it is about 2021. When I see something crazy, I, my first thought is, where's the camera? Because I know this is being filmed somewhere. I was like, are you serious? Talk to him briefly, because I'm on a mission. I'm trying to get to the top and back. I go around this one bush, I tap the sign, and I come back down. That's just me. It's what I do. And I'm on this, this like rock standing there next to him, talking to him for a second. And this woman has the biggest smile on her face that I have ever seen. She is enjoying being on Pinnacle Mountain, standing on a rock that she cannot see. And she is smiling from ear to ear. And, and, and I talked to the guy. He is her guide. And he agreed to do this thing with her. And he's got this smile ear to ear. And I'm like, are you guys kidding me? And he said something. He goes, I just wanted to help this young lady come up here and experience and enjoy this mountain. I'm like, I, I, I'm, uh, uh, I can barely breathe. 
And I'm like, this is unreal. She's like, this is beautiful up here. I'm like, what? So I go up to the top. I come back around, and I come back down. I'm about 15 minutes later. They're two rocks away from where they were before. It's going to take them the rest of the day to get up there. And that's when it hit me. This is the way that I tend to do life. I just want to get to the end of it. I just want to get to the destination. And discipleship is so much better than that. It's this lifelong process. But that poor woman, if she didn't have a guide, you put in her hands, you put a map. She's not getting to the top of Pinnacle. You put a compass in her hands. She doesn't know where true north really is. She's not getting to the top of Pinnacle. You give her an audio book that describes Pinnacle. She's not going to know how to do it. But you put her with a guide? Someone to walk alongside it with her, tell her exactly where to step, what to do, what not to do, explain to her what is around her. She is breathing in the experience of Pinnacle, and I was missing it. We were on the same mountain. I was by myself. She had a guide. We were not built to do this by ourselves. Discipleship, it's important. It's also important that you don't try and do it by yourself. So my challenge to you is this. If you've gotten off track, if you started to do things by yourself, it's okay, and I'll be honest with you, I have. It was super easy this last year to do it by myself. I really got introverted on some things. I did some devotionals, and, I, and I'm like in these devotionals, and I can't wait to get to the end so I can check the box and just be done, and that's not, that's not, I'm missing the point. Enjoy the process. The reason why we're doing so we're doing heart and soul nights on Tuesdays. How we got here is very different than I thought how we were going to get here. But we are going to take a full year on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock right over here at Nexus Coffee. And we're going to go through the book of Romans for a year. We're going to slow read it. Why are we going to do it? Not because we can't read fast, but because I want to read slowly. I want to get this in us. Why? So we can learn about this fantastic king named Jesus so our lives can look like it. So we don't just say that we are Christians, but we can live like we're disciples. And our goal is to walk along this path with you as you become fully devoted followers of Christ so that when people see us, our life looks different. Now, if you want to get involved here at the church, like you're like, hey, listen, I don't know if I want to go do a, a, a Bible study like that, but I love to roll my sleeves up, get connected, like serving, sweating, like going out and helping, that's how I get connected, then do it. This is like not a high pressure thing. This is literally like, this is who we are. This is our church. We've got flaws, but we're going there together. And this is why we do things like a, a Bible study in Romans, why we call it heart and soul. We're going anyways. Let's go together. Let's do it together. If that is you, you have been trying to do this by yourself. I want you to know that I understand, um, and it's a constant battle. And I have these moments where I get in the Word and I realize, oh my gosh, how did I, how did I drift over here? Because nobody ever intends to do it. You don't make a decision. You're like, you know what? I'm not doing this with anybody else. I'm going to go by myself. Most of us don't get there. We drift. We hydroplane away from the things of God. Our life just does. And I want you to know that it just takes that decision and then walking it out daily. And that's what our church is here to do, is to help you walk it out daily. All right? Let me pray for you. Hey, guys. Pastor Bronson here. just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.